Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I take you for a ride on the devil's ship. I take you for a ride when you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Viva, we're back. You've never come for a good reason. You always come because there's naughty, naughty things happening at the government. I, there's always something to talk about, and typically nobody likes talking about the nice weather or the good fishing, although we can do that one day. No, now it's more nonsense coming out of the government that just never ends and keeps getting more and more drip, drip, chiseling away at any semblance of a free country that we once knew. Yeah, we talked about C10 before. You had come on for that reason. Uh, there was talk about people fighting back in the government, and then... Overnight, I, I wasn't even sleeping. It was on 2 a.m. I saw on Twitter people were like, well, they passed C10 at 1.30 a.m. when everyone was sleeping. I, and I only learned of it through your retweet of, uh, I forget who it was, and I would like to give him credit for covering it. 1.30 in the morning, it passed. I, I'm not sure that we've seen the final version of that which passed, but I don't think it's been changed since it was changed in the debates. But yeah, that's it. Done. Passed. It has not yet become law. It's got to go through the Senate, get... Oh, yeah, bring the mic closer so people don't complain yet. Okay, sorry like this. Yeah. Here we go. Two-finger rule. Um, it's got to go through the Senate. So there's another process where they're going to have, uh, you know, the approval or modifications recommended through the Senate that it's got to get royal assent. Some people's fear, other people's wish, is that there's a federal election that's called which effectively kills the bill, and the new government that comes in would have to start from scratch on this bill if they so chose. So we'll see. So even if we have an election and it's the liberals that win a minority government again, they would still have to start my, from the beginning or not? My understanding is yes, they would have to start from the beginning, but it would be a quicker route because they already got there under a minority liberal. If it's yeah. a, minor, a, a liberal majority, it would be even easier and quicker. Uh, but the, I think it would become something more of a technicality then because it's already gotten through the House of Commons. So you could sort of fast track that process because nothing much should have changed except maybe the, you know, the number of seats. But it, it wasn't even a close vote, which is sort of shocking to me that it was, it was a pretty wide margin through which this passed. And that's it. It's, uh, now we, we've, we've pulled a Pelosi where we're going to have to pass the bill to see how it affects independent creators on YouTube. And I think we said it has to go through uh, the Canadian Senate. So it's still, there's still a small chance. There's still a chance. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of ways where it could get killed, either by uh, a new election, which would end the bill before it could get passed, or the Senate could have objections with it in theory and either block it or uh, they could get caught up on arguments as to amendments that the Senate would propose that they'd push it back to the House and see how it works. But that's as much as I understand of the process. So it could get blocked, it could get held up, or it could just become law. And then we'll have to see how, uh, what impact it's going to have. Yeah, on, Poseidon on was like reading us. a bit of it earlier and uh, it's still the same thing we were talking about last month. It, ha it, it has not changed in substance. The, the, the major change was the removal of the exclusion of independent creators from its application. You know, we, we've received verbal assurances that it will not target independent creators, but that's like 
in the practice of law, that's like having an off-the-record conversation with a lawyer. It's like, yeah, this is how the document is meant to be interpreted. Then you end up litigating the document. You get in front of a judge. It's like, I never said that. Or even if you did, who cares? The document speaks for itself. Yeah. But for, especially when it's uh, statements that are made prior to the document being ratified, signed, or whatever. So in this case, yeah, they've, everyone's made a bunch of statements. It's not going to apply to independent creators unless they're acting like broadcasters, to quote uh, Gibault. Um, it's not going to stifle. Why aren't your, we all acting like we're broadcasting? I'm broadcasting right now. That way, and, and what the threshold is, you know, he says, if you have millions of followers on YouTube and you're acting like a broadcaster, then it's going to apply to you. I, I don't know what that means. You could have millions of viewers, uh, millions of subs. So all I need is to become really successful. And, and then and, I'm the bad guy. Well, that's it. It's, it'll be the curse of success, but we'll, we'll see. And, you know, it's not insignificant theoretical penalties, obligations, requirements that it could impose, but that's it. The, the discussion happened. The system works, if that's the way we want to look at it. It passed the House of Commons uh, at 1.30 in the morning, and we'll see where it goes from here. Here's another thing I don't understand. We said we're not in a caste system, right? The, in Canada, everyone has the same rights, theoretically. Now, I noticed something. They were pushing for the quarantine hotels. If you come back, I see some people go to them, some people don't. There's a whole debate. But they said this is the way it is. Everyone has to follow the same measures. Trudeau and his team get back from the G7, um, they get tested, they're tested negative, the rules would be for them to stay in the quarantine hotel. It took them about eight hours. They didn't. So here's my understanding. Yeah. That you have to stay in the government-designated uh, quarantine facility. I forget what the acronym is. It's a GAA and whatever, uh, designated quarantine facility, DQF. You have to stay there for up to three days at your expense until you got a negative test. Once you got the negative test, you could leave the quarantine hotel, but then you had to go still do your 14 days of quarantine in your, in your home or wherever you... So designate. how come this didn't happen with them? So, well, my, theory, my understanding is that once you get the negative test, you can leave the quarantine hotel, but then you still got to quarantine either at home or wherever for the next 14 days because federal court adjudicated on this now twice okay. in approving these quarantine hotels. They noted that there have been... Ex, you know, exceptionally, I won't even say rare cases, but they noted that there have been cases where someone tested negative and then went into quarantine and then within the next 14 days tested positive. And the one example that the court really relied on in approving of these quarantine hotels was one case where someone was doing the 14-day quarantine after having gotten back with a negative test, tested positive, infected their roommate who worked in healthcare and who worked at a Barry long-term healthcare facility, went to work, infected the facility, and 70 people died. That's so crazy. That I remember was, that. That was what the quarantine, uh, sorry, that was what the federal court concluded, you know, justified. But I remember that was the old folks' home. That was people that, yeah, were the there's, high risk. It's high risk. And, and first of all, uh, going to that decision, that situation could never occur again because they had since passed laws that nobody could quarantine at home with someone working in healthcare. So that, yeah. that could never replicate, in theory, unless people break the rules. Um, but that rationale, and I said it at the time, still didn't make sense because if you could test positive for up to 14 days, that doesn't justify three days in a government-run quarantine facility. That could justify 14 days of, of isolation. Yeah. So in, in, in sanctioning in the sense of approving these government hotels, that was the rationale used when it doesn't make sense. That would, that would justify 14 days of quarantine potentially, not three days in a government-run quarantine hotel for $2,000. Uh, but parentheses closed. The rule was that once you test negative, you can leave. That's what Trudeau did. I think the only bottom line issue is that Trudeau didn't even stay in a government-run or government-designated quarantine facility. He picked his own hotel in, in Ottawa. Must be nice. It must be nice. I, it was a three-star hotel. 
which I learned, incidentally, three stars and four stars don't actually relate to the quality of the hotel, but rather the amenities. So three stars has, I don't know, a pool and... He doesn't need much. He's a simple man. <laughs> he, he doesn't need much. He's got a... a Some would know, call him a simpleton. He's got a beautiful home that was recently you know, renovated because he's been using it for government purposes. Um, you know, s- same thing with uh, our François Legault. Quarantining at home for two weeks when you have a pool and a cinema is a much different experience than some people I know who are quarantining in like two and a half apartments. Yeah. So, but all that say, so he didn't break the rules all that much. Uh, the one broken rule was that he did not go to a government designated quarantine facility. I'm sure they can justify that for security reasons, etc. All right. He left. He got his negative test within 12 hours. I presume he's double vaccinated, and so he left. But. It's just all right, like, I'll buy it. So then why did we put an exemption for hockey players? Why did we? Because. And I'm, I'm for it. I want them to play their game. I don't, I don't think them quarantining for 14 days is the right thing to do, especially if they test negative. I think it's excessive. I'm not advocating that we stop the Montreal Canadiens from traveling. What I'm saying is it's strange that the Montreal Canadiens would have extra rights that the rest of the citizens don't. That's what I, messes with I, me. I made the joke that uh, on Twitter somewhere I said, you know, because science, and then someone wrote, LOL, I'm paraphrasing, LOL, political science. Yeah. Or, econ- you know, economic science. The theater, the, it's, it's, the scientific theater right you're now. You're exempting, first of all, you are penalizing financially people who do not have the means of hockey players. You're saying, if you need to travel for business, because you still can't do non-essential travel in theory, you got to pay $2,000 upon arrival. So basically, you, you've got to make that and more, and more yeah. to, to justify even, to you justify leaving. It economically. Then the idea that you have to come back and spend three days up to three days in a quarantine hotel. This is, I don't care that you call it a hotel. It's a prison. When you are being detained by the federal government, I don't care if you're being detained in a hotel room or a cement you know, room. Yeah. It's only a question of comfort while you're being detained, but you're being detained by the federal government because of the outside chance that despite your negative tests before on departure and on arrival, you might still be carrying... Why you couldn't just go straight home for two weeks? You know, this is not uh, intended to be scientific in my mind. It's intended to be a deterrent, just to make it so painful that you don't have people traveling unnecessarily. And some people are just going to buy that justification. But that would be the justification for the policy, not the constitutional justification for its legitimacy. Um, but you know, so you're penalizing the people with who are you know the least able to uh, pay for these measures, to abide by these measures, while the multi-million dollar earning hockey players travel freely you see them in stadiums in the states of 35,000 people and now they're coming back no you know, yeah. freely traveling whereas the one person who went to visit their sick mother in the United States has to come back pay 2,000 bucks and stay uh, you know quarantine for two but weeks but that's afterwards. what I mean I don't like this theater I don't like this craziness I even, I even have a buddy of mine who I noticed he's been doing some cool fun stuff and I asked uh, Saturday we're at a show and in the green room I asked one of our mutual friends I go how the hell is this annoying traveling back and forth he's like he travels in private jets, right? He goes, he's not dealing with what you're dealing with at the airport. He goes, it's a different world. No, no. I, and like, I know people on both ends of the spectrum. I'm a lawyer. I, I know clients who are very well off, very well connected. There are people who fly in and out on private jets. Uh, there are people who manage to get the required exemptions for their specified purpose of travel. But Joe Schmo down the street, who doesn't know a lawyer, who doesn't have connections, gets you know locked in an apartment for two weeks in the same city as their wife and kids while they isolate. And I've known multiple people who've had to do this now. What, one guy, he's got two kids, young kids. He comes in from a, a essential travel because he had to visit family abroad. Comes back and has to go into quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. Can't even tell his kids he's here because they're not going to understand. So he's alone in an apartment. He can go on a balcony for two weeks. 
and has to pay for the has to pay for the luxury of, of having done so. But other people manage to find ways when uh, when they know the right people. One of my buddies came back from Miami. He was doing a show there. He's a YouTuber, and uh, he got back in Montreal. And they, they told him that he would have to stay, and he in one of those hotels. And he said no, and they said we're gonna fine you. He's like, all right, fine me. Yeah, and they said they were going to send him a fine. It's been a couple of months now. They haven't sent him anything. Well, they'll send him the fine. I'm sure they will. And I'm sure he, he'll contest it. And yeah. we'll see. Thus far, the courts have not been, in my view, on the side of the Constitution. They have been on the side of the government. They've been on the side of preserving this, um, this system that has been put into place by the government. And it's, you know, it's, it's unclear why. When I read these decisions, they appear to be what, what I call motivated reasoning. It's like you have your conclusion and you're going to get there. Yeah. Uh, you had your conclusion, you're going to justify these quarantine hotels, detention facilities, you're going to get there. I, I could have drafted it because I know what arguments you'd need to raise in order, what evidence you'd need to be convinced by to justify this. But it just seems that the courts are starting from foregone conclusions where they're going to basically uh, uh, tolerate and sanction and, and condone what the government has done in response because... No judge wants to have his, head, his or her head out there saying, hey, look, there was an outbreak, and it's because of this judge. Whereas in the States, you have at least a couple of judges who are more willing to uphold the Constitution, uphold civil rights, even if it means putting their neck out there to some extent. But as we're, as we're seeing now, it's the, judges do, the judges are doing it now, but we're at the tail end of things to some extent, so they might feel a little more confident that there's not going to be a massive outbreak. Yeah, because people are vaccinated. The virus has kind of had its run. That's it. It's like, yeah. you know, people are vaccinated. Uh, we've seen the, 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 the graphs coming down. So, you know, they feel more comfortable, especially also since some of these policies uh, in the States are now being uh, terminated or they're not being renewed. So it, it's, it's become academic to some extent where the, the issue is no longer really an issue because the laws or the edicts have been repeatable, expired. So they don't mind saying, okay, well, now that it's expired, it's not academic or it's not moot, as we say in law, because it can still recur. So let me render my decision anyhow, even though that particular edict is no longer in effect. In Canada, however, you know, the, the federal court in uh, Rebel News Network's most recent lawsuits challenging these quarantine hotels did the exact opposite. The, they knew full well, as of June 21, uh, these... Horn <laughs> That was a good Freudian slip. The quarantine hotel. <laughs> the quarantine hotels. It's your kind of hotel, buddy. <laughs> Oh boy, um, that the quarantine hotels would no longer be in effect or they would be, you know, pulling back those measures. The judge could have said, you're going to pull back the measures. This is not academic. You need a better justification in fact and in law to impose this requirement on people. But they didn't. They said, uh, even though it's going to end on the 21st, we were convinced from A to Z that they were justified. Uh, even if there were other measures the government could have adopted, uh, there was a rational connection between the objective being sought and the measure implemented such that the violation itself could be justified. It's crazy to me that we're accepting things just because it seems easier than to argue them. And people, I see them fight online. They go, just do this. Just accept this. And I've been out. I see the ridiculousness of if you're past this line, you have to have your mask on. But before that line, it's just thousands of people stuck together, no mask. Like There's all these weird fucking rules that don't make any goddamn sense. And it's so stupid to look at. Like I see it when I'm performing in bars. It's so stupid. Oh, if you're sitting down, take off your mask. I'm right in front of you, standing up, spitting on you. It's fine. It doesn't make any sense. It, 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 you don't, it's a, the thing is like everyone says, you're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. You have no business having an opinion. Mm. I don't need to be a scientist to know that compelled mask wearing on someone who has tested negative and who is asymptomatic, who doesn't, doesn't display any symptoms. Let me rephrase this. Compelling someone who does not have COVID to wear a mask 
does not prevent COVID because the person doesn't have it. Exactly. The, uh, now the question is asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread. Then you get into the outdoor stuff where we have, now we have a lot more information. We know what the outdoor transmission rates are and they're, they're minuscule. Uh, I don't need to be a doctor or a scientist to know that being required to wear a face mask when I'm at La Ronde riding the vampire roller coaster or the Titan, that there's very little science to the fact that when I'm being swung through the air at 160 kilometers an hour on a spinning disc, that wearing a face mask is somehow scientifically justified. I'm sorry. Are you a virologist? I'm not a virologist. <laughs> I just, I'm someone with half a brain. I can listen to everybody and I can come to my own conclusions. Uh, and uh, I, we were literally at La Ronde and they literally said, do not take your face masks off during a roller coaster. Uh, during an actual, the actual roller coaster. And this is, and it's outdoor, outdoor on a roller coaster, flying through the air. Don't, don't take your mask off. But if you're pulling, the, you know. Well, oh, when you can't breathe well, it makes it scarier. Oh, no, that's, that's true. They know what they're doing. It, 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 it adds to the, to the experience. But, but no, but wear it on the Titan. But when you come down, if you're drinking your drink, you can take it off and yeah, you can take you it off the smoke. I mean, you, you don't need to be a scientist to have, take issue with certain things. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, you don't need to be a scientist to come to your own conclusions, notwithstanding what scientists might be saying. The, the issue here is that there are scientists saying certain things. There are others saying other things. And when people say, listen to the scientists, what they actually mean is listen to my scientists yeah. um, and listen to the ones that I have given the authority to, to speak and don't listen to the other doctors because they're not... Uh, virologists. They're not uh, ep ep epidemi epidemiologists. Epidemiologists, but, that's it. And, and so, you know, but, but then mean, meanwhile, when the non-epidemiologists say to follow the rules, everyone's like, well, they're a doctor, follow the rules. So you have this double standard among the authorities. But at the end of the day, you know, people are individuals, they can come to their conclusions. I've spoken to doctors who have given me complete opposite views. One is like, look, just listen, do everything, take the vaccine, I don't want to see you in person. And the other one's like, if you can avoid it, try and avoid it for a bit uh, and, um, you know, be careful. Yeah, take the measures, but no, don't overdo it. If you don't have anything, why would you walk around alone in your building with a mask on? Like, I have these two different points of view. It, it has become, it's, it, it's become a sort of religion. It's not, yeah. uh, it's, it's not science when you can't question it. Uh, that's, that is the difference between science and religion. And I say this with, with deference to religion. Religion has its values. Uh, unquestioning or sorry, not being able to question the basic tenets, you know, abide by the rules, it has a value and it gives people structure in their lives. So I'm not, I'm not denigrating religion. I'm just saying when science becomes unquestionable, when it comes dogmatic, it has ceased being science and it's become some form of religion or I say even more, people wearing face masks outside alone on the streets, it's become superstition. Yeah. Or it's become, you know, virtue signaling where you say, I, I know that there's no real benefit to this except it shows solidarity. Well, that's then again, that's not science. That's something else. That might be social science, but it's not science. And the thing is, there are scientists with diverging opinions on this, yeah. but there's politics at play where a lot of politics. those scientists and those doctors are being pressured not to speak. They're being threatened. They're being censored, deplatformed. And that is not the scientific way as far as I ever understood it to be. I notice now with uh, we're getting more and more information about where it started, that Wuhan lab theory that we couldn't even talk about a year ago, even though I was repeatedly talking about it. From the beginning, when this had started, I think I'm, after the first month and a half, we're having shows where I was mentioning it online because I was like, hey, man, this is weird. If you look at the start of this, the first people to speak out about it were scientists and from that lab, and they disappeared. You remember that the first people were like, there's I, a danger out there? And then these guys were just offed. I do. I remember it. These, this is where like the fog of war produces a lot of 
sometimes information, sometimes inaccurate information. I do remember those stories. I just, you can't vet the accuracy of any of those things. All that I know is that the virus originated by all undisputed accounts from Wuhan. Everybody knows in that particular place, there happens to be a, a center for virology and research, and there happens to be a, a wet market in yeah. the same place. All that I know is at the time, everyone was suggesting, well, not everyone, a lot of people were suggesting it, it being the, immediately branded as conspiracy theorists. Yeah. It became the, you know, the flavor of the day for censorship to deplatform. People had their channels taken down for suggesting it. For suggesting what might be an obvious conclusion for some to draw. You know, if there's a virology center and a wet market, I'll accept both as at least remotely plausible. Yeah. It came from the market or came from the virology center. Um, they were censored up the wazoo, and a year later, it's now become mainstream possibility. It's not mainstream concluded fact, but it's become mainstream news. I think it's too hard for them to ever admit it's concluded fact, even if the evidence points to it, because there's so much... China doesn't play games. China threatens well, to sue, to fight, to... China does not want to take blame for well, this. But, 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 hey, and it wouldn't even be their fault, because that lab is mostly funded. Well, that's what I was <laughs> just going to say. It's like, you, go, you can blame China. I'm yeah. sitting here and I'm blaming Trudeau, and I'm sitting here and I'm blaming the United States, yeah. because you don't fund gain-of-function research in a... You know, you, the reason why you fund it in a lab in Wuhan, China, uh, is precisely so that you don't do it on American soil. Because it would be illegal. <laughs> it would be illegal, and, it would, and, if it, and if it become public, it would be a, a, an absolute disaster. Yeah. But now we know um, Fauci may or may not have been entirely transparent on whether or not he was directly funding gain-of-function uh, research at Wuhan. I like how he worded things to yeah. try to throw people off as if everyone would just stop at that. They're like, yeah, we're not going to look into this. No, we didn't <laughs> do it. We, yeah. in quotes. And then you're like, well, well, that depends on what your definition of we <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we didn't do it, but it was funneled through an NGO or it was funneled through another corporate yeah, entity. Yeah, he had a, a third party. It, it was the middle. Yeah. You know, it, it, we now know these things. And we now also know that uh, Canada, under the Trudeau government, has connections to this very same research lab. Yep. And, and we now know that Canada and the Trudeau government and his Trudeau ministries are refusing to communicate documentation to Parliament They'll communicate it to their own uh, ministries and their own entities that are under the, you know, the eyes of appointees of the government, but not to the general government itself. Um, th this would not just be China's fault, and I think that's a, 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 to say the least. This is, seems like a catastrophic you know, national failure. The way it looks is like we, as in North America, Canada, and the U.S., are responsible because it was our kind of uh, hubris to have that kind of research and kind of, you know we're kind of pushing the limits but uh the chinese government messed up when they instead of not panicking and asking questions and letting everybody know what's happening they panicked denied everything in the beginning shut things down didn't tell everyone remember to be careful people were traveling it was right after chinese yeah, I, new years everyone was going all over the world they spread so because of their fear of looking like the bad guy like Ooh, i don't want to get blamed for this they didn't tell us enough they hit a lot so all the whistleblowers all the whistleblowers were getting um uh silenced different ways some were put in jail some just disappeared we haven't seen them again so that's why i think they're to blame but initially the fact that our governments thought it's a good idea this is illegal here but it's not illegal over oh, no. there and, and and the justification is we're doing this research on gain of function uh research so that if there's an outbreak we will have the required vaccine to combat this I don't like that because that's what they were saying about the bomb initially. Remember scientists, they're like, mm, I don't know if I should work on this because like, no, no, this is a deterrent. It's, if I make it, you're going to use it. And then that, what happened? We destroyed Japan. Well, it, it's, a, it's a bogus argument. I mean, it, it, you would have to be 
I would say, grossly naive to buy into it. Yeah, we're only creating this weapon so that we can figure out how to defend against this weapon. Yeah. It's like Skinner going to the brothel and saying, I only came here to find the directions to get away from here. Yeah, yeah. Bull crap. Um, it, it should <laughs> never be done. It is, it is, it is developing bioweapons, period. Whether yeah. or not you're doing it so you can fight. Hey, here's, a, here's an idea. If you don't develop the bioweapon, you don't need a vaccine to protect against the bioweapon. Thank you. And nor should you ever be doing that. And let alone should you be doing it under those circumstances, but you should never be doing it, period. Um, and it, in retrospect, it makes everything make more sense and it makes it more unbelievable. Is that the governments knew, obviously, more than they're ever telling us. At the same time as they're doing things which can be difficult to justify, knowing what we now know they know in terms of donating our PPE to China when they know this is coming. Because at the time, we, knowing now that they knew more than we knew they knew, it makes all of their, their conduct even more negligent, uh, reckless, and uh, unjustifiable. And it's, it's going to come out. The only problem is collective social memory is very short. Yep. People have already forgotten about Justin Trudeau's Aga Khan scandals. They've already forgotten about the SNC-Lavalin, Jody Wilson-Raybould scandal. You know, they'll forget about this. They'll forget. That People the- are indoctrinated. I've noticed because even with C10, I saw when someone was showing, this is the exemption that they took out for um, uh, individual users, yep. you know. And then someone under it had commented, yeah, that's not what it's about. You guys are wrong. It's written right there. It's written for you right there. And you still, because you've been indoctrinated, like it's not, it's not real. Mark Twain, it's easier yeah. to fool people than it is to convince them they've been fooled. Yeah. That, and I'm just thoroughly convinced that there are a lot of insincere, I won't call them bots. Uh, there are a lot of bots online. A, a yeah. lot of bots, a lot of insincere Twitter accounts that just go and like, you're the best prime minister ever. Thank <laughs> you for taking care of us. Um, and people just... It, it's gaslighting. I mean, it's gaslighting to say it doesn't say what you actually read with your eyes. It doesn't say what Gilbo said it says. Yeah. It says, it, trust the government. You can trust them now. You know, the, everything they've ever done in the history of government kind is forget about it. We now have the first moral, totally transparent, totally trustworthy government in the history of the world. Yeah, except for those residential schools. Uh, well, that's another thing. I and mean, it's just, just atrocious is that you find out it's just, you know, one generation's government apologizing for the atrocities of the previous genera- uh, previous government. And, I, you know, I'm... Predi- and th- this will buzz me. And then it should be okay. An apology should be okay. A- an apology and then reparations, which are themselves not paid for by the government. They're paid for by taxpayer dollars. So you get settlements, you get admissions of wrongdoing by the government for previous government's wrongdoing. Uh, settlements paid out of current taxpayers... And the government itself gets bigger because they say, well, we now have to look into this. Yeah. We will spare no fund to fully discover the wrongdoing of the previous governments. And But they won't take care of those communities right now when they need it no. so that the community's next generation grows up fine. And, and what do they want to do now? Forget those communities, guys. Well, we're sorry for what we did to you 50 years ago, but let's open up the borders, take in more people from international you know, countries because we want to be world citizens, but we're still keeping you... Uh, on reserves that don't have drinkable water, yeah. we're still. But forget you, you, you guys. We'll, we'll make, you'll make do, and we'll we'll issue some. Yeah, we'll figure something. That's what I'm looking. At, these 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 platitude tweets that they that Gilbo and Trudeau. We, we are stand together. We stand strong with you. And then meanwhile, we're we're, we're really because you have drinking water. You drinking water. You have drinking water. You are not subject to 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 you know increased violence, abductions, but. Don't worry about that. We'll take care of that. For the time being, now we have to go be good global citizens yeah. and and open up our borders. Because if you don't do that, you're racist and you're a bigot. But when you ignore your existing communities who are impoverished and been suffering for decades, uh, that just makes you the government. Yeah, it's crazy because I know people and I see them 
happy to retweet things like that. And they're like, mission accomplished. The natives are fine. He apologized. I retweeted it. Wow. You know, it feels but, good to be a hero. And, and you just know that when, you know, when the government was committing these atrocities uh, generations ago, they didn't think they were committing atrocities. You know, mm-hmm. this like this is this is it's for the greater good, uh, and then you know it's it's up for the future generations of government to apologize for these atrocities. The, the, the government, but no one really tries to make things right. Well, that, because the one way to make things right is to give individuals and communities more autonomy and more liberty and more rights, and not vice versa, and more government uh, intrusion and government maintenance. Um, you know, the government is the, I make the joke, but the government is the only institution on earth that with every failure that it's guilty of, it expands its own power and it gives itself a raise. In, yeah. in, in the private sector, you screw up like that, you get fired, you get, you, know, you get sanctioned and more. But when you're the government, you, give, you, you create a new committee, you get some more taxpayer dollars to pay yourselves to look into how things went wrong. The, you just get bigger and it's like the blob that just keeps getting bigger Despite the fact that the bigger it gets, the more problems it causes. And then the more apologies it issues and the more taxpayer dollars it finds to pay for settlements and create committees and you know, everyone strokes themselves on the back to say a job well done afterwards. We, we finally apologize for this atrocity of 50 years ago. Yeah, and we'll get ready to apologize for the next one another 50 years. You know, I've noticed people, it's easier to not think and not argue just to accept it. So you, that's why a lot of people are like, look, man, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to get back to normal. So I think... It's easier for you to not actually look into things, not actually use um, any semblance of thought. Let them decide for you, like the newsmakers, right? Let them come to a conclusion for you. Don't tell you what happened. Tell you what you should think happened. hundred percent. And we're so much happier that way. It, it is, you know, what is it in 1984? Uh, slavery is freedom. I mean, yeah. it, there is a sense of freedom in saying, I'm just, I'm not going to burden myself with trying to understand uh, because it's, it's too complicated. And there's also sort of a absolution of responsibility where you say like, okay, I, it's out of my hands now. I, I don't know enough, so I'm just going to let someone else make the decision for me so that when I lock my kid in a room for two weeks because the Peel Regional Healthcare said that's what I had to do, it's not child abuse because the government told me to do it. I'm washing my hands of, of my own autonomy, my own free will and, and, and common sense because someone told me to do it. It's, it is a lot easier to do that. Um, and then the other thing is, it's, it's also, it's like the scene from The Matrix. It's, sometimes it's just easier to live the lie because when you find out that you've been lied to, it, it, it hurts and you begin to question your own mental capacity, your own intelligence. What's wrong with me that I was so easily duped or easily, you know, uh, misled? And, the, you know, classic example of this is elections 2020, where you had people claiming, you know, you had people making statements about the elections. Then when you had that Time article come out afterwards, the secret cabal that fortified the elections, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which effectively said everything that everyone agreed with, and then but they frame it in a way that it was all legal and that it was all to fortify the elections. Then you have the people who vehemently oppose the idea that there was any interference with, okay, well, yeah, but that's, that's justified, uh, that's lawful, that's just changing the rules and then abiding by the new rules. You'll never get them to say, like, we ultimately disagreed on everything. It's just that we disagree on the interpretation of it because people have to preserve their own egos when they ultimately find out that they've been vigorously lied to and misled and everything that they thought they understood was effectively the other way around. Well, everyone's scared to tell the truth based on association. I saw that, who are those scientists that came out 
and said, uh, yeah, we knew about the Wuhan lab theory, but we couldn't say it last year because we didn't want to be called Trumpers because Trump said it. Same thing with hydroxychloroquine. The best is Yahoo. Uh, they had an article last year. They go, uh, what the, the president is trying to push as a, as a cure and preventative measure is nothing more than a placebo. A placebo would be just as effective, all that. Same, Yahoo guys wrote an article now. They go, hydroxychloroquine could be the miracle because it's been a year removed. So people were so indoctrinated to, look, we have to disagree with whatever this guy says. If Trump comes out and says, drinking water is good for you, right away we have to make a deal with Coca-Cola and say you have to drink Coke, forget water. It's insane. What do you, just tell the truth. It's it's politics ruins everything and yeah. it, it ruins people's ability to deal with issues on an issue by issue basis because the, everything becomes a litmus test of association. Yeah. And your response to individual issues has to be defined by the overall association of those particular issues. The People are going to find out, and we're finding out now that, that we were lied to on a, on a mass scale, and people are just going to justify that based on their political affiliations, based on their political associations. People are going to say, when the Fauci emails came out, and everyone's like, well, it's, you know, okay, he was, it doesn't say what you think it says. It, he, was, he was trying to temper down Trump and yada, yada, yada. Every, they just, they're going to interpret the facts based on their, uh, on their blinders, their political blinders as yeah. they currently exist. But it's, uh, it is depressing, and it's, it's, but it's nothing new. Like the, the idea that we've been misled by the government or that they have withheld material information from us and people are going to say, yeah, well, they just did it so that they could have a better response or they did it for our own good. That's you can, the you, worst. You can never disprove that statement. Yeah, that, and then, well, it didn't go that well. Yeah, yeah but they tried. They tried. they tried. And, and what, what else would you have done? Well, I would have done this. Well, you weren't in power. I mean, or, or you don't know what would have happened if you did that. But, you know, the, the bottom line is you don't need to be a doctor to know that you don't send COVID positive patients back to long term healthcare facilities. And the fact that the, the CDC at one point might have said it, uh, okay, but at one point they stopped saying it. But then you still go and justify it on the basis that it was necessary for other reasons. Uh, but it, it is a question of people's politics determining their conclusions in advance and then you just you just try to nitpick cherry pick or reinterpret the facts so that you can justify what you already believe so right now let's say in canada it doesn't matter what constitutionally it would say and what rights we're supposed to have technically speaking from one day to the next if they shift something my rights your rights every could disappear basically not every right in the constitution but specific sections which basically include the most fundamental rights only exist in as much as their violation could not be justified in a free and democratic society. So, but if I'm vaccinated and you're not vaccinated and we want to travel, oh, they will. I'll be allowed to travel and you won't. They, so I'll have an extra right. Well, what they're going to say is that the violation of the other right, if they get to that point, is justified under the circumstances. I mean, it's it's like the idea of being imprisoned is a violation of rights, but it's justified because you broke the law. Right. Uh, the idea of this is where, you know, historically, when you have an understanding of history and bad law, you'll know that the worst decisions always come out of a time of crisis. But uh, the Korematsu decision in the United States, where they justified the detention of Japanese Americans based on the perceived threat that Japanese Americans posed by virtue of their being Japanese after Pearl Harbor yeah. during the context of World War II. Well, let's say it was a perceived threat that was sufficient to justify violating the civil rights of American citizens by literally interning them. Uh, the Jacobson case, which was 1900s earlier, which was dealt with forced vaccinations to some extent. It dealt with whether or not you could impose a fine on someone who refused to get vaccinated. 
you're dealing with exceptional circumstances that are dictated by panic that generally lead to bad decisions. And you're going to deal with the same one here. People have been whipped up into such a frenzied panic that they're going to say the, 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 the risk posed by not being vaccinated, even if the, yeah, pick it up, yeah. the risk um, of not being vaccinated, even if we've attained herd immunity uh, by what they consider to be herd immunity, is still sufficiently great that people should be compelled by law or other to administer a vaccine or suffer the consequences. I mean, that's, that will be the rationale if it gets there. Uh, and there's nothing we can do. You can take it to court, but in the United States, they've taken it to court. And there's a distinction in the United States that employers cannot compel uh, forced vaccination of a vaccine that is not FDA approved. So there's that distinction in the United States because this COVID vaccine or the, the COVID vaccines are emergency authorization use. They're not yet FDA approved. They can't be compelled under American law. Or that's the argument. But we don't have that here. I'm not sure that we have that here, but uh, and we'll see where it goes. But bottom line. Yeah, it's such an exceptional risk. You want to reopen the economy. You want to go back to normal life. This is how you do it, even though that life to which you're going back to is a world in which you can be forced to administer a, a medical procedure uh, is not normal, but that would be the argument. And would that change? Can you apply that type of rule to other things? No, they've, they've applied it to everything. They've applied it now in Nova Scotia. There was a, an injunction that was issued to prevent people from protesting the lockdown measures. They did the same thing in Alberta. Oh, that's interesting. You, you imagine the, the, the courts come out with an injunction saying we are enjoining you from protesting, peacefully assembling outdoors. It's your constitutional right to protest the lockdown measures and the basis for infringing on that constitutional right is the risk that the assembly would, would, would cause. And it's pretty smart, though. That's a sneaky move. Well, it's, it, it, but it's, it's sneaky. It, well, it's sneaky. I, I'd say it's beyond sneaky. I think it's, I think it's legally untenable. It's, you don't have the right anymore. So... You don't have the right, but then the question is even in the context of that decision, I think it's factually incorrect because the risk has to be sufficient to justify the infringement. And there has to be, you know, no, no other better way of, of attaining the objective, but the risk has to be clear, basically clear and present to say, we're going we're gonna to block a constitutional right. It can't be hypothetical. It can't be tangential. And they came to the conclusion that they met that threshold in Nova Scotia. Did the same thing in Alberta. Uh, Basically, they said, look, we're going to preemptively enjoin you from exercising your constitutional right, and it's justified by under Section 1 of the Charter, that which can be justified in a free and democratic society. I, I'm all for individual, you know, me, individual rights and freedoms. I don't want to have an extra right that someone else doesn't. Now, because we, we jumped ahead when we're talking about the G7, I noticed something. Number one, because so many cameras were rolling, we got to see the theater play out. The no one's wearing a mask. They're all stuck together. Oh, we're taking a photo. Put the mask on. Take a photo of the mask on. Forgetting that you're on video. They see you now putting it on, taking the photo. We got it. And then taking it off, hugging each other, doing normal things. Also, within that, we had the queen, a 287-year-old <laughs> woman, the highest risk category, just hanging out with these people who flew in from around the world who didn't quarantine when they got there, right? Uh, mask on, mask off, spitting on each other, hanging out. It's crazy. But you wouldn't be allowed to visit your grandmother at her house. Can you, Pantelis. Yeah. As I'm a, just saying, isn't uh, it a little, I don't care where you stand. Don't you find that to be a little ridiculous? It's not theater. I'm saying it's beyond theater. It's overt deceit because they're just hoping that you don't see one portion of what the story that they're trying to tell you. It's yeah. not theater because theater, you know that, People are acting. This is 
manufacturing a, a reality that is actually not real. And it's um, Chris, Christia Freeland. Is it Freelander or Freeland? It's Freeland. Uh, when she was given one of these, one of the talks on the issue that was going on in Kamloops, and didn't know that the camera was rolling. I remember was this. Was not wearing a face mask. Then you hear someone say to her, oh, "We're rolling," and she like nervously puts the face mask on, starts, then takes the face mask off to talk. If if that's not theater, that is that is misleading. That's what I'm saying. It's theater. And, it's complete theater. And, and and the G7, you show them. They come in with their face masks. They do the social distancing photographs. Yeah. They elbow bump because you know you gotta. And then they go literally rub elbows and drink and touch each other's hands, touch, face, and, yeah. and, and those pictures get out. And then meanwhile, I'm in here in Quebec, and I'm not allowed having more than one other non-family member in my own house. Yeah. It's 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 enraging. It's insulting. It's demeaning. It is it is rubbing in the face of the lowly hoi polloi that, like George Carlin said, there's a big club and you ain't in it, and none of us are in it. Yeah. And and they try to convince you with. You know, snippets and images here and there. Look how serious it is. We show up and we have to face mask and elbow bump. And then five seconds later, we're drinking it up and yucking it up with all the elites from the world while you guys are sitting there suffering in your country. Uh, but it, it shows that they're not too smart. Because in this day and age, how do you not expect the cameras to be rolling at all times? This is the beauty of speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Is they're going to say, yes, well, you have to socially distance and you have to wear the face mask because it's safe. But we're all vaccinated and we can do this even though you guys can't, uh, but because it's already safe. So, but hey, vaccinated people here can't do that either. Yeah, well, exactly, that, yeah. But, well, that and we're, pol we're politicians. I mean, it's important for us. We've got to rule the world. We've got to lecture you on climate change while flying in on our private jets like, the best. like Trudeau did on a massive jet to lecture the world on, on climate change. It's, it, it's funny. The, the attitude is analogous. Um, you know, his treatment of, 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 of climate change to him versus you know, Canada's role in climate change to the world, where he's like, I'm going to fly my jet and lecture the world, uh, and we're going to cripple the Canadian economy for the benefit of China, uh, despite the fact that we contribute, I won't say insignificant amounts, but fractional amounts of the leading polluter in the world who has no intention of, of abiding by any of these voluntary measures. But it'll make us feel good by doing it, in as much as it'll make me feel good by talking about it, even though I'm flying in on a jet that leaves more of a footprint than... Half of Canada combined. That's actually funny, the jet thing, because I saw in uh, the UK, they were mad at Boris uh, uh, Johnson. I think that's his name, yeah? Same thing. They were like, what is this guy doing? Uh, why are you talking about climate change? And he, he's flying on jets. They all do it. What, they've never heard of They've never heard of Zoom? They spend the entire year telling us to Zoom in and, and, and stop meeting. And yeah. you know, we stay together by staying apart. And then meanwhile, they, they, they're literally meeting up on seaside resorts. <laughs> While the world is suffering, the world is burning, but heck, they've, they've got their private security, they've got their private jets, and they've got their private clubs, and they're enjoying life as it is. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a weird movie because it's like the emperor that has no clothes on. Because I'm, I'm seeing it. I was like, how do you guys not see the weirdness of especially a, uh, the old lady, the queen, being... The, you guys don't see how crazy this is. It's, well, here's the problem. Pantel, you should do an indirect poll. You would never be able to get the accurate results of this poll because the people who are not seeing it are not going to ever see your poll. Yeah. The vast majority of people out there are probably largely unaware of those images. That's, that's the really? level. I, I, I have a darn good sneaking suspicion. My belief is that at the very least, half of the people out there don't know what's going on to the same degree that we do. And when I have the discussions and I say, didn't you hear about this? Didn't you hear about that? And it's like, no. And these are reasonably intelligent people. Um, you realize that there is an effect of a media that has been bought and paid for that doesn't hype up these stories 
It's a little harder. That, yeah, I have noticed that. It's though. a little harder in the U.S. because you have Fox News, which is arguably unfriendly to the to the government, which gets off on 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 covering this, and they have a tremendous amount of followers. But in Canada, you don't have the equivalent of Fox News. You have Rebel News, uh, which has a, a good following. But, but it's still. I hate the fact that the Fox and Rebel they're all slanted. Every, I everything slanted. I want a news source that's not slanted. That they won't go against you just because you're liberal. They won't go against you just because you're conservative. I, I want one that look. This is what happened. This is literally what happened. Draw your own conclusion. That's what I want. There, there's a uh, Fox. I'm a little less forgiving on Rebel. I'll be a little more forgiving on because I, I don't think they're slanted. I just think they're activists in and they're, they're unapologetic. Act- they're, they're, we are activists. We're not out there to show the stories that the CBC and the CTV are showing because you don't need another person to do that. You need the one right, right. showing that Trudeau is training Chinese military for winter conditions on Canadian soil. And then when that story breaks, they admit that it happened, but it's not happening anymore. Yeah, hey, remember that was weird. Big, big, big freaking story. Training. Chinese soldiers on Canadian soil as to how to engage more effectively in cold weather combat and sure as heck don't see much of that from in the CBC yeah. and then when it breaks then like okay well, let's let's we'll stop we've stopped doing that don't worry nothing to see here says the government they literally said that I forget who the minister is but we don't do it anymore you, why'd you, you do it in the first why'd place you do it in the first place and not just that like you make jokes about this but if the U.S. finds out about this, it's not long before Canada becomes a domestic, you know, an international threat to, to yeah. the United States. You're training what is, by all accounts, public enemy number one to the United States on your soil. It's it's not so. I, I'll be I'm forgiving on Rebel News. They've been pretty accurate in what they do. A couple of the other ones may be a little bit more um, clickbaity in terms of titles and and misleading when you have to get into the articles to understand it. Rebel News just picks the stories. Uh, but bottom line. In Canada, you just don't have people involved, people engaged, and people just don't know what's going on. I remember one story was back in the election, uh, and I'm talking to a reasonably educated friend of mine who lives in New York City. And I was like, dude, what about that Hunter Biden computer laptop story? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Get the fuck out of here. How do you not know about it? Because CNN doesn't cover it, MSNBC doesn't cover it, and if they do, it's to say that it's debunked uh, Russian propaganda. Yeah, which is another lie. It's another lie, but nobody knows it. They don't even know that they're being lied to in the first place, by and large. And so in Canada, I'd I'd be curious, you know, go on the street. Did you see the picture of Justin Trudeau, Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, the Queen, uh, Macron, all sitting there drinking, no masks, but then in the background you have the two waiters wearing face masks. Oh, I remember that. No, the weirdest was that picture where the Queen is there too, and they're all maskless. They're, They're... in each other's ear, they're all close, and behind them you see these young people, young people with their masks scared, waiting the yeah, help. Do you, know, do you know what it is? It is, it's perpetuating the two-tiered system. Those are dirty peasants, peasants, yeah. and don't you bring your dirty breath into our face, even though we're out here doing more international mingling than you could have ever done in your lifetime. Yeah, it's 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 beyond it's it's show. It's secrecy, it's demoralizing, it's intended to create the air of authority that the government needs to have a population be subjugated to them. But it, it's, it's, it's enraging. I mean, you watch it, you're just like, this is, this is too much, and it takes too much to even make people appreciate how over the top it's gotten because people just still say, well, they're doing their best, and you know, what, what's, what's the big inconvenience for me if I have to wear a face mask and I can't go outside at 8 o'clock? Just take the vaccine. Okay, well, just another lockdown. I mean... That's that's like that is the new standard of it is easier to just accept. And I have noticed, like I said before, what people do is if they don't want to argue or if their brain hurts because you gave them something that they don't want to deal with, they'll just say, oh, that just means that you're an extremist. 
oh, you're a, you're a, uh, I don't know, an alt right or a or you're a communist or it's always the extreme. It's you're just an extremist. You're a Trumper. You're is, a this. Is, you're a that. Because they try to group you in. Because well, if I group them in to this group that is considered bad, even if they're not part of that group. I win. When you write off the individual, you no longer have to address the ideas, and that is the most common tactic in bad debating. It's uh, like Jewish comedian Dave Smith, who's repeatedly called a Nazi. <laughs> I, I didn't know Dave Smith was Jewish. He's scheduled to do a sidebar with uh, Robert yeah, Bellas. Yeah, he's he's going to come yeah, on in one of these days. He's Jewish, and uh, I think Big J's Jewish too, and they were both called Nazis. Yeah, and Ben Shapiro's called uh, you know uh, an extreme, whatever they call him, a white nationalist. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it's, it's a tactic. It's like, okay, you're, yeah. you're, I, I will demonize the individual so that I no longer have to address the ideas. Um, and and it's, it's, it's the easy way for people just to abandon critical thought. Like, I don't, you're, you're must be a bad person, therefore everything you say is bad and I no longer have to address it. Exactly. Bottom line, people can be bad, people can be racist, people can be bigoted, and they can still have legitimate points on other issues uh, that you cannot write off simply by writing them off as an, as a, as a human. Yeah. Um, but it, that, that takes intellectual rigor to separate the individual from the argument and people don't want to do it. And the other thing is people don't have the information themselves to actually engage in it. So it is easier just to say, I'm satisfied with what I know. I'm satisfied to demonize you. Now let's go our separate ways. That's important. What you said though, that we get frustrated with the lack of what we think is intelligence or critical thought, but a lot of these people just don't have the information. So I'm expecting someone to draw a conclusion like I drew a conclusion and I get upset when they don't. But in reality, most of the time they don't have access to the same information because if they're just working, running around, looking at the news sporadically, whatever the fuck, uh, you know, Fox or CNN or the main CBC, CTV tells them, that's all they know is reality. They never go one extra degree because they can't. They're busy. They're running around. 100%. Yeah. And, and you'll notice if you've ever gotten into the depths of these arguments, it always starts off with someone who thinks that they know more than you. They say, yeah. you don't know what I know, but yada, yada, yada. I'm American and you're Canadian and blah. And then it gets into, oh, well, I don't have, all, I don't have as much time as you have to do this. You, 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 I have a job. You, go, you, you play on the internet, so obviously you can spend more time looking at the details. So it goes from dismissing because they know more than you to dismissing you because- They know less. They, they know less, but they don't have the time. And you're, but and why yet, would that make you? You've just admitted you didn't do the research, so well, you're upset that I did the research. No, That's but, like getting mad at scientists because they invented something before you did. Well, it, no, it's it's just a question of demeaning the person so you can write them off. Oh, you're yeah. just a loser with too much time on your hands, which is the other way of you know, basically disregarding what you're saying. Is you're either you either know less than them or you're just a loser with too much time on your hands. In which case, they still know more than you. It's a, but it's a classic argument. But reality, yes, it takes time, effort, and a desire to to go after the information and to understand what you don't know so that you can go out and get that information so that you may come to the same conclusion, but you just need to know what you don't know before you get there. And does, I was going to ask, does this make you want to get back into law? Never. I know this, this actually, <laughs> nothing changes. I know. And in the practice of law, it's the same tactics as in the practice of politics, social media. It's a question of manipulating people, letting them think that, you know, concealing information that they might find relevant. It's, it's all the same game that's played everywhere. It's just a dirty game. The only question is like, where is the game actually contributing to some greater good? In the practice of law, you win a, you win a case and okay, it ends there. But we're now in like the broader social political uh, situation where these issues are shaping our country. Like what people are accepting now from government, what people are accepting now from policy is shaping the country and it's going to shape it for a long time and possibly 
irreparably, where you can't come back from certain changes. And I just hope we're, we're getting close to those. I hope we can back it up before we get there. You have young kids. Uh, yep, three kids. So as they get older, do you worry about, because you're outspoken, you, you, know, you shoot from the hip, you do your research, but it's always you. you know, you're giving your honest opinion. Do you worry about them if it reflects negatively on them with, I don't know, teachers or other I, parents? I, I, I worry about that. I've, I've forewarned them that, you know, be ready for people to start calling daddy a racist because that's, oh, that's what happens when you, when, you, when you step foot into politics. If you're right of, I don't know, I, I was going to make a joke, but if you're right of center, you're going to be, someone's going to call you a racist for some reason. If you, so crazy. if you think that immigration should be tempered down and maybe more controlled, you're a racist. If you think that people should have more individual choices, you're a racist. I mean, so it is. I, it, it Does is, anybody know what racist means anymore? I feel like it's... it's words have lost meaning yeah. where they are, they're, they've lost meaning. Racist, nationalist, uh, xenophobic, transphobic. These, the these are all my words as a Greek. I don't like that people are appropriating them wrongly. Well, it, they've, they've appropriated them. Nobody has it. They've diluted words to the point where they don't mean anything, but that's how the battle is won. It's just when, when the words can be thrown around at any time for whatever the reason... Uh, language is fluid. Language is fluid, and demonizing adversaries becomes equally fluid. Am I worried about it? it's? It's gonna. It's gonna happen. I still do my best, and I think I succeeded it at remaining courteous and respectful, even in disagreement. Even if I give Francois Legault and Trudeau a hard time on Twitter, um, punching up is different than punching down. But uh, I, I like to think that there will be some cosmic respect for remaining civil. I don't talk the way other people do, but I still think I get the, a message across. But I, I know it's. It's coming. I mean, or it's already there to some extent. At one point, my Wikipedia page had me down as alt-right or oh. far-right. I forget what it, it had me down as right. Even though I... Well, what's the difference between alt-right and far-right now? Well, all, there, there's a dis distinction that I don't know. But all that I know is just calling me right or calling me conservative. Um, the words have no meaning anymore. Yeah, it, I know. I, I, I'm not... I'm by no means... I don't even know. Am I liberal? I know that I believe in certain things that are fundamentally liberal values. I know I believe in certain things that are, might be more conservative values, but to try to write off an individual for the sake of, of writing off all of their opinions as right wing, that, that, that only plays on social media. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Do you remember uh, it was CBC or CTV that came out with this uh, thing on their website last election when Legault had won? And they said, do you even know where you lean politically? Like, just forget the parties, put in your beliefs, and it would give you this graph. I had printed out the paper, and uh, I was like, okay, what do you guys think I'm going to get? You know, left, right, whatever. And it was the weirdest thing because the point was right in the middle of everything. It, it was and I was like, this is how everyone should be. It was a little left, but it was right in the middle. But Because on social, like on different issues, you have different opinions. You can't just copy what the politician thinks. That's his opinions. You might differ somewhere. So it was right there. It was left, center left. And, yeah. that, and most people are sufficiently complex that there's, there's a big circle where most people will meet in yeah. the overlapping Venn diagram. But we've gotten to a world now where if you don't think that biological men should not be allowed to compete in sports for biological women, everything about you now is right. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Phobic. Add whatever ism or ob that you want. Because uh, we've, we've manufactured, or not, I won't say we, the social media powers that be, the political powers that be, have uh, weaponized everything into a litmus test. So unless you are, you know, any one of the things, you are necessarily going to be demonized and, and castigated to the far right. Um, it, it's, it's an intellectually dishonest way of viewing discourse and other humans. 
Uh, but that's just the way the game is played these days. I'm waiting to see. Uh, I heard that in the Olympics is a trans weightlifter. Yep. Trans weightlifter who, if it's the same, uh, is I'm not sure. That, I think there might be two. But yes, there's a trans weightlifter who is now going to be competing in the, uh, I think it's ultra heavyweight category or heavyweight category. Look, it's this is a, this is one of those issues where again you have parties saying trust the science, trust the science, and being born biological male does not uh, provide any biological advantage over a biological female where they've specifically set testosterone limit requirements for that very reason and even under the testosterone limits that they've set it's still something like five or ten times higher than the average testosterone level in a woman oh shit so, i didn't know that yeah the, the, I, I was reading up and it's like they've created rules which are predicated on biological differences between biological men and biological women and so you have you have these mutually incompatible arguments going on at the same time don't discriminate. There's no difference between Double the two. Think. But yeah, there's no there's no biological difference between the two, and you're you're a bigot for suggesting there is. Yet we're going to design rules that are that are predicated on the biological difference between biological men and biological women. And oh, there's definitely a difference between biological men and women. That's why there's two different words. Uh, they're two different things. Well, However, I'm not. I have no horse in this race. If the women that are competing don't mind then I don't give a shit. I'm not going to go uh, argue that. If they say it's cheating or they have their own issues and they want to argue with the Olympic Committee, more power to them. But I'm not going to step in now and be like, they, they, you know, we should stop this. It's not my fight. Well, uh, there, yeah. there, is, there is value to be said in, um, who was it? I was just watching the Bo Burnham uh, Inside special. I haven't gotten through it on, net, not, on Netflix where he did one mock stand-up bit in his room where he's like, you, everyone does not have to always have an opinion on everything. Exactly. At every point in time. People can have their opinions, and you know, unless you're required to express it for political or employment purposes, you don't have to go around just you know, saying things for the sake of exactly. saying things. Yeah, that's because now I saw this. It was everywhere my buddy sent to me. And I'm like, well, if the women that are competing complain, I'm all for them. If they feel like it's not fair, whatever, they're the ones competing, they're the ones who know, I'm supporting them. But if no one's complaining and, and everyone's do, who am I to jump in and be like, well, you shouldn't be allowed? Okay, I'm not in there though. Here, here's the yeah. flip side to that: yeah. is like, you know, in the states you have the Title IX, which which protected women based protected people based on immutable features, and one of them was you know females protected them and created different divisions for that very reason. Yeah, some people are probably going to rightly argue that remaining silent on an issue that might be impacting the rights of half the world, or you know, what virtually yeah. half the world. Uh, you know, is contributing to the problem, and these are human rights issues that to to you know, some no. No, what I'm saying, not remain in in the sense that if the women that are competing don't care, they, they don't mind it. Who am I to tell them you should mind it? That's they, what I'm saying. No, to, no I understood that. Yeah. I'm just saying like, there, but there's going to be people who are going to say like, by virtue of not standing up for people who are whose rights are being you know, if they trampled. feel like their rights are being trampled, I'm standing up. Uh, for them. And, and there, there, a lot of them have taken it to court, and it's you know th these issues have been brought to court, and it's going to be the next. Uh, you know, major issue for the, for the Supreme Court to deal with in, in Canada as well. It's, you know, at, at some point in time, by favoring one person's rights, if they trump yeah. the rights of another, uh, you have to ask yourself what's going on there. And how that do, really and how is you, what's happening. It, it's, a, it's a, I don't, I don't think it's a controversial thing to say, but w we know that if you're saying, I want to, I want to not be transphobic and I want to preserve trans rights, therefore I want to allow them to compete in an area where genetics is a determining factor you are effectively trampling on the rights of women, biological women. It's not the same thing as saying 
trans people should not be able to have employment or should not be able to do things where no, that's the genetic distinction between biological male and biological female are irrelevant. That's that's basically the discrimination. But we've we've you know long established that discrimination in quotes when it can be justified either for the needs of the employment or based on other genetic you know issues can be justified. It's why you had separate sports in the first place. It's why you have weight categories in, 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 in sports. Um, so there's the issue that creating distinctions where the, the genetic differences are themselves material to the issue, whether or not it's just discrimination, it can be justified given the nature. But, you know, say I'm not going to employ a trans person in, in a job where the genetics have nothing to do with it. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. That's, that's yeah. obvious discrimination. And, you know, the analogy... I, don't like using the, the you know the blind bus driver because it presupposes a handicap, but there are there are issues where you say yes because of genetics there are certain discriminations that are justified that it's not you're not being discriminated against under these circumstances because it's relevant to what's going on. But you know a blind bus driver uh, should not be uh, not allowed to do something where being blind is is irrelevant. And yeah, it, you and shouldn't it, be allowed to be a bus driver because that but, puts us all at risk. And it's and it's it's the idea where the 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 discrimination or the distinction based on a relevant feature can be justified. And when you're getting into sports, I don't think it's controversial to say that. Um, and and I understand women are taking issue with it. The, in the Olympics, they are. In tennis, they are. Uh, in track, they are. Because you have you've had cases in in the I think it was Connecticut track um, competitions, two trans athletes. Come oh, in yeah, and, yeah, and destroy the records, and they finish first and second. And you have these athletes who file suit. They saying, "Look, we're we're being deprived of podium spots because biological males are coming in and crushing the records of biological females." And the courts, you know, being what they are, they ducked out. They said, "Well, the issue is moot now because the two trans students have graduated, so there's no risk of it happening now. So if it happens again, sue again later on." But the, the courts are going to have to tackle the issue on a substantive basis to set out. Who has what rights, and does one uh, does do, do the rights of one group trump the rights of another? And I'm curious, what would be like? Let's say those two students, that's what they want to do. They want to compete. To, where would they compete? I mean, they're, they're gonna they're gonna compete in a, in a field where there are going to be com, uh, contestants. Or there's going to be participants who have a biological advantage. But but based. let's let's just say like because there's not enough trans kids to do a trans league. So then so, I mean, they that, that can was, never compete. That's the weird thing. That's well, that or, or I mean, or you just simply say you, you you bite the bullet on a political level and you say biological males should only be allowed to compete in okay. sports for biological males because at the end of the day, the gender identity is is a is a personal decision. It's sort of a it's a, it's a an emotional or or mental state. Genetics or not, so you can have like your XX and your XY instead of calling it male female, just call it something by scientific genetics. And so that would be one solution. Just say bottom line. Where there is an advantage based on genetics, you can't you can't step down, or right, you can't right. you can't compete where you have the advantage, but you can compete where you don't have the advantage. And if someone who doesn't have the genetic advantage, like an XY, I forget which one is which, always with women, biological men versus a female. But if a biological female wants to try to compete in a field where she has no uh, biological advantage as a as a question of biology, by all means, like I, a lady wide receiver in the NFL, I, 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 I never understood. The, the, not allowing women to compete in men's sports if they want to do it. I mean, I never understood it because you know th there's no there's no genetic advantage for them to try. It's just a question of you know. I think it's more of a question of uh, like quality wise. Let's say the NHL, 
I think. I remember Manon Réaume. I don't remember how good she was, but I, I remember there was Manon Réaume. Uh, Annika Sorensen tried in golf. Uh, there was the golf. I, golf, yeah, that seems weird that you'd. Well, I mean, you know what the weirdest thing is. I draw the line, like I said, hockey where it's physical. Because what I'm thinking is, quality-wise, let's say they're very. Because I've played ball hockey against some women that are dominant, but then when it comes to physical aspect, getting well, you hesitate checking them into the boards. Well, I've never played. I, I I wouldn't if I were involved in a game yeah. that involved that. But no, I just say in sports, if that's the, an individual decision, yeah. it's just a. Yeah, but no, I mean, it's it's that would be the individual decision. I don't know why it hasn't happened or or why more you know there hasn't been more of a. It push. probably will. I think in sports like uh, like you said, like golf, you're gonna have some lady golfers that are just dominant. It's not gonna matter anymore. Well, there's there's a it is they will be able to compete. It's just interesting that they have there hasn't been a, a successful comp, you know that much of a successful competition. But it might just underlie the fact that there are fundamental differences, biological differences that explain performance. Well, yeah, yeah, like if you have an NBA team versus a WNBA team, it's not going to end well. No, but you know, the, the funny thing is I watch a lot of darts, and I remember the first, uh, I don't know if it's World Series of Darts, but they have the annual competition, and I remember the first time I saw a woman make it into the final 16, and I think I just, it never even occurred to me that there could be performance differences on in a game like darts. Wait, darts, there's women and men division? There, there's not women and men divisions. There's just, they're, they're, I, as yeah, far that as makes know, sense. Just one, there's one thing. division, yeah. and you just, you just don't see women making it there, whether or not that's a question of, you know, cultural. And yeah, maybe uh, they don't like it. Maybe, well, and maybe just, you know, darts tends, I don't know, the history tends to be a pub game, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's other uh, social reasons that explain the predominance of male presence in that, in that sport. Uh, but I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why would there be, in a game like this, any, biological advantage if there is and there probably isn't it's just maybe a question of uh, interest among uh, demographics that I, i'm not even that interested in darts oh, though I if i do catch it on tv i'll watch it and then it gets captivating but i've never sought out darts it's darts is amazing any game darts bowling golf i mean they all have the same muscle memory repetitive motion it's relaxing to watch uh, and darts can be absolutely invigorating I, i've watched i've watched them go crazy <sighs> and then right, there's a crowd behind them. The crowd, and then they, they they got that announcer. He goes 180. <laughs> Whenever anybody scores, it's it's amazing to watch, and people go nuts over it. They get dressed up in costumes. It's they have crowds of thousands of people watching live. In, in, it's, it's amazing. But this is a, in Europe. They don't do that here. Uh, not as much here, unfortunately. But yeah, mostly mostly England, the UK, nuts for it. Dude, in Europe they go crazy for handball. Yeah, handballs. I mean, that was fun. And handballs fun. It's fun to play in high school. Uh, that should got, be I got bigger. A, I got to point out one thing. These glasses, I thought were the paper cup yeah. standard things, and they're beautiful. They have ceramics. They're beautiful. Yeah, they have come in from the uh, New York. What is it? Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, yeah. No, they're amazing because these are these are. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. These are typically what I picture as the New York sort of fast food coffee. They're the New York coffee cup, but made in uh, I guess what is it? acrylic. Well, let's see where they're ceramic. Made, yeah. made, it, made in Thailand. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, so they make them in Thailand, ship them to the States, and then ship them to me. Oh, wow. Well, they, they are, as far as ceramic cups go, they are they are beautiful. Uh, I like them. So, Viva, uh, what's next? What are you up to? You and Barnes are doing these shows. Okay, let's see. When the, So the shows, we have the Wednesday night interviews called The Sidebar. We've got Jack Posobiec coming up this Wednesday. For anybody who doesn't know who he is, big on Twitter, good journalist. Uh, was at OAN. He's at another network now, and I forget what. I forget which. Um, Friday, we're doing Sticks Hexenhammer 666. If anybody doesn't know him, also What's an interesting this? follow. He's a political commentary guy. You may not agree with everything he says uh, online. I will follow. He's interesting. Very smart. Uh, definitely the victim of the suppressive YouTube algorithm because he does not... 
he doesn't monetize his channel, so YouTube has no interest in promoting him. Uh, and, you know, doesn't toe the line. And he's, he's, he's a little edgy in his humor. Uh, but we've been doing those live streams every Sunday. I'm doing the vlogs uh, sooner than later. If and when they call a federal election, I'm going to be the PPC candidate for Montreal, uh, for West Mountain NDG, and I'm going to get ready to be called every name under the sun. Yeah. But we're going to... I'm going to call you Heather. Well, just to no, we're, throw we're, in the mix. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a discussion uh, that has not been had because this is, again, not a question of conservative or liberal. Uh, we don't have uh, th this discussion that we should be having as to what rights citizens should have that are inalienable even in a time of crisis um, and, and the role that government should be playing in our lives and is there a limit to that role? Because I think we've, we've long crossed that line and nobody's asking the questions. And look, bottom line, I'll put the questions out there. We'll have the discussion and we'll see if anybody's asking the same questions. I guarantee you, uh, nobody will. <laughs> it's just going to be that, you that, that's, that's my fear. My yeah. fear is that uh, a lot of people are very happy having the government control their lives and make their decisions for them, uh, give them a sense of comfort. There is, there is a sense of you know, uh, liberation in freedom, but there's also a risk of freedom. But my, my fear is that people have now been conditioned to accept this as the new normal, and they won't, they're too afraid to go back. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, but Viva Fry, if you don't already know Viva, what are you doing with your lives? Follow Viva. Links are in the description. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.